on this episode of Her Wild Outdoors, seven-time Grand Slam turkey hunter Kylie McRae is joining me for a conversation about turkeys, about guns, about God, and about our hunting community. So join in, listen in, and go follow Kylie on Instagram. Her story is amazing and her heart is big. All right, everybody, thanks for listening in to another Her Wild Outdoors episode. Uh, today, we have the honor of having Kylie McRae with us. And Kylie and I met at NWTF last year. And man, she won my heart the second she had a conversation with my daughter and encouraged her and um it just kylie thank you so much for that and for being on the show today you're welcome thank you for having me of course we've uh we've got a few things in common we uh we tennessee is in our in our hearts you're originally from texas and right now you've been in texas a lot during covid Yes, ma'am, we have. Why uh, are you, you're in Texas now, but have um, have you guys been thinking about coming back or are you pretty much in Texas from now until the foreseeable future? Oh, uh, no, we want to go back to Tennessee as soon as possible. We're looking for some land. Um, so, yeah, we're just we're trying to find the right place and we're staying in Texas until we can find that. Awesome. Yeah, that sometimes can take time, and it's kind of nice to have a fallback place, but I know you guys love Tennessee. Yes, ma'am. We, I love Tennessee so much. Tennessee is definitely where my heart is and where I want to be. So. Yes, yes. Well, I want to get just a little bit of history on you and for others to hear kind of how you got started in our outdoor community because you were really young when you started hunting. How old were you? When you began? Um, so I got my first gun when I was three. I actually potty trained for it. Um, <laughs> and then I went hunting the first time, like for me, when I was five. I shot my first turkey when I was five and I shot my first deer when I was six. Wow. What gun did you use when you were five and you shot that turkey? I used a Mossberg 20 gauge. Yes. And I used, um, yeah, it was a really short one. It was pink. I still have it. I still love that gun. <laughs> well, a lot of people ask, you know, how can can I get my kids started on a shotgun? Because they are, I mean, out of all of the guns, I mean, rifles and such like that, they can have some good kick on them. But shotguns for kids, it just, you know throwing it out there with even my kids, they, they're like, I don't, I'm not going to shoot that 12 gauge. And I go, nope, you're not going to shoot that 12 gauge. It's going to throw you across the yard. <laughs> so it's good yes, to know. Yeah. It's good to know and, and good to know what to start with. Um, so yeah, a Mossberg 20 gauge. That's awesome. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Okay. So you started at five with your first turkey and, uh, Turkey has kind of been in your blood since then, has it not? Yes, I absolutely love turkey hunting. That is definitely my favorite and for over anything. For those who don't know, um, Kylie is a Grand Slam. I mean, I don't, I don't know. You're, I wouldn't say expert, but you have seven in your pocket, don't you? Yes, ma'am, I do. That's pretty amazing. Yep. 
Kylie. But tell, explain to everybody, A, how old you were when you first, when you got your first Grand Slam, but also explain to us what that is for those listeners who don't know what it is. So I was 10 when I got my first Grand Slam. Um, I got it in Texas, Nebraska, Florida, and pretty sure it was Ohio. Mm-hmm. And then um, a Grand Slam is there's four species of turkey in the United States. You have your Rio Grande, which is mainly found in Texas or New Mexico around your southern or southwestern mm-hmm. states. Then you have your eastern, which is most of your eastern states. Dis- or excluding Florida because that's where your osceolas are, but there are right. hybrids. Um, and then you have your Merriam, which is a lot of your northern states have Merriams mm-hmm. mixed in with Rios and Easterns. They kind of have hybrids, which a Rio hybrid mixed with a Merriam, it's is beautiful. Oh, I bet. You have your effervescent with your white tips. Oh my gosh, it's gorgeous. There's, um, I talked on one of the podcasts a while back, I talked with uh, Lisa McDonald and she, I think turkey is her favorite and she knows exactly who you are. Um, but she, turkey is her favorite bird and she's a bird hunter. So she loves all bird hunting across the board, but turkeys are her favorite. And it's just, it's, they're elusive. They are smart. They can see so well. And so to be able to travel around and see all of these species and experience each species of turkey in the different ways to hunt it and and find it and all of that, that's, it would be a dream for turkey lovers. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. I'm so blessed with the opportunities that I have. Yeah. How, which turkey out of all of those is your favorite? Oh my gosh. I just, I (laughs) don't know. I have a love for all of them are so different. Right. It's just, it's hunting the different like species of them, I guess you could say, or like the different birds are just, I don't know. You kind of have to have a different approach on it. Yeah. My favorite probably is the Merriam or the Osceola. Osceola are such smart birds. Everyone kind of has a different opinion on Osceolas, but they're... I love Osceola, but I also love Merriam. Mm-hmm. I've killed several Merriam. Merriams are the big ones. Right, right. What are some of the differences between the hunts on there? How do you have to adapt to each one, or are they similar in how you hunt them? Um, it really depends on the terrain, yeah. my surroundings, what I have to cover myself, because my favorite way to turkey hunt is I use a mojo scoot and shoot. So I go right out there and I chase after them pretty much. Right. So if I have something that can cover my back or if I, if I, I usually try to know the land where I'm hunting Mm -hmm. so that I know how I can cover myself or if I can go around and cut them off or something like that. But in Florida, there's there, I'm going to tell you this story real quick about a turkey hunt, but there was this, um, we were down there hunting and I needed my Osceola to finish a grand slam a double signal season grand slam. And we went down there and 
I shot a Tom and I was walking down and I was behind my mojo and these Jakes came up and like were running at me and probably got like five yards from me. And I was, I was freaking out. I didn't know what to do. So I just stood up and they're like, oh shoot, that's not a turkey and like ran off. But yeah, that was crazy. That's that they can be aggressive. All turkeys yes, can. Be aggressive. And I have seen, I've seen a turkey go after some another turkey with the spurs and with the I mean it's a no joke situation that if they think I mean man that you either run or you stand up and look as big as you can I'm not a very big person either so. no you're not <laughs> no what an experience though um that's crazy. But yeah, to be able to say, I have done that seven times, it's pretty amazing, Kylie. Yes, ma'am. I'm extremely blessed. And that's, so you did that your first year at 10. So you are how old now? I am 15. I'll be 16 in November. Yeah. That's amazing. That's really amazing. So you had to have some spring and fall hunts in there in order to to get the seven, right? Yes, ma'am. Yeah. I have been turkey hunting now for two years. So I started with deer and I didn't really... If I can be honest, turkey hunting scared me a little bit, especially in the spring because... You are here in Tennessee. You're not wearing orange. You're not wearing, like we said, turkey can see better than a lot of us out there. So you are completely in camo. You are hiding. And especially if you're hunting public land, you're out there with other hunters. And so in my mind, it really freaked me out. Also, it's warming up. And here in Tennessee, we've got a lot of snakes out there who like to come out and join your hunt. <laughs> yes, <ma 'am. laughs> you've got ticks, you've got mosquitoes, wherever you are, especially in Florida and here in Tennessee, it's pretty bad. And so turkey hunting never really appealed to me as a big game hunter. And so when I started two years ago, I thought, okay, I'm going to give this a try. I'm going to I'm, I'm going to get out there. I'm going to see if this is something that I like. I still have not gotten a turkey, but I can tell you the draw to get one is stronger now being out there and hearing the gobbles and seeing the hens come through. And I mean, it would be, it would be so exciting to finally use a tag on a turkey. It would be great. Yes, ma'am. It's definitely a different kind of adrenaline. Mm -hmm. It's it's just a whole, it's a crazy experience. Oh, yeah. I think we, um, the last turkey hunt we went on was this spring and I took my daughter with me. And we had fire ant hills on both sides. It was the last day of turkey season, so we're sweating like crazy. And... We heard a tom behind us, but then we had a guy, because we were on public land, we had a guy come in with about six hounds, and he was practicing. I think he was working on 
rabbit hunting and training the dogs and everything like that. So our hunt ended fairly quickly. But we got up and we were covered in ants. We were covered in ticks. We were, it was miserable. And my daughter looks up at me and says, man, that guy ruined it. (laughs) And I said, you are covered in ants. And she goes, I don't care. I heard that turkey over there. (laughs) So it doesn't, it, it takes me into a zone. It took her into a zone of where we would normally be very uncomfortable and it completely blinded us because we heard that turkey gobble. Our hearts, our hearts were, were beaten like crazy thinking, okay, it's coming in, it's coming in. It heard us and it responded and it's coming in. And I think my chest, my heart was coming out of my chest at that point. Yes, ma'am. That will definitely happen. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. Man. Well, congratulations on seven grand slams. Are you going to be turkey hunting this fall again? Or things have kind of been put on hold for a while. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I lost all of my turkey season this spring. So I was pretty bummed about that. But Mm -hmm. um, I don't I don't know that I'll be doing any fall turkey hunting. I'm most likely going to stick with the deer. Yeah. I got really sick for a while, so that kind of put me in the weeds for a little bit, but I noticed so that. Know. I was keeping up with you on that one. Um, are you feeling better? Have you figured that out? Um, they we ran a whole bunch of scans just trying to figure out what was going on. Um, I had an endoscopy, I think that's how you say it. Yes done um and they there's nothing in my stomach so they believe that it's just kind of stress and anxiety related just Mm -hmm. my body hit a point of just being overwhelmed um I imagine a lot of people are going through that with COVID right now very true that um I'm doing better I got on some natural stuff I kind of started I dove back into the bible and I I just kind of started letting things go and it's helping a lot. Good for um, I you. still, I still have some of the, the side effects of not being able to keep down some of my food. But other than that, I'm doing good. I'm getting my strength back. Um, I sleep better now. So good. we're getting there. That's it's no joke. Anxiety and stress can completely take your body over physically and you weren't able to be out in nature this spring you were like things got thrown completely upside down and I think that people can understand that who are listening especially I know that I can because when you get when you lose sight of who you are, where you are, the comfort of where you are used to being, there's um, there's a physical response. And our body likes to tell us what's wrong before we know what's wrong. So I'm glad that you did that. I know Vanderbilt is great. I used to work there. I think they're amazing. The doctors are great and they can really help figure things out. But um, I'm glad that you got back into the word. I'm glad that um, you can find solace in that and you can find comfort. And man, sleep makes a huge difference. 
Yes, ma'am. For sure. <laughs> a huge Yeah, difference. I wasn't getting any sleep. I was waking up looking like a zombie every morning. <laughs> uh, that can throw you completely off the kilter. We did not. The past couple of days, we've been up on a mountain with no vehicle. We couldn't drive up there. You had to hike on up and take your stuff in. And we were sleeping in hammocks, which is great. I love sleeping in a hammock. But we were sleeping in a shelter that was completely covered in brown recluses. Oh, my goodness. And so. Oh, my goodness. My kids slept great. No, I didn't. For two days, I did not sleep. I kept thinking that one was going to have my flashlight and I kept looking around and it just my mind was going places that I couldn't keep it from going. And so. Uh, we got home yesterday, and I think I slept 12 hours last night, and it makes such a huge difference to actually get sleep where um, where your body can rejuvenate and heal overnight from the day's work. And so I'm glad you're there. I'm glad you're feeling better. So um, well, thank you. You can get this deer season under your belt and uh, yes. and have some fun. We um, – we have um switching gears just a little bit we since we met at NWTF uh you and I both just found out that NWTF is going virtual this year yes i'm so sad about that it is a huge bummer I mean, my mind immediately went to all of the vendors because you and your family are vendors of NWTF. Yes, ma'am, we are. And I kept going back to all of the families because I really do see that conference as very close-knit hunting community family. And I kept seeing all of these families and thinking of everybody that I met last year where their home, like family-owned businesses that honestly, these type of of, uh, conventions help them make a living. And so I, my heart goes out to all of the vendors that that really rely on these conferences. It's been a hard year in itself, but then add this on, it's a huge, um, I'm very sad about it. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, me too. I mean, NWTF is everyone who loves the outdoors and has a love for God just comes together and gets to spend time with each other. It's true. I mean, you get to, you get to tell stories, you get to hear stories, you get to just fellowship and, meet new people and get to see the people that you've seen. I mean, I've been going to the NWTF since 2012. Right. So I've pretty much grown up with these people. Yeah. And it is, it's a family. You, you kind of, you know, the people that you're surrounded by, you know, your neighbor, you know, uh, people who come back every year to visit and to walk through, um, and see everybody. It's, it is almost like a family reunion. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, and it it just bums me out so bad because I look forward to meeting little girls like your daughter Mm -hmm. and getting to when your daughter came up to me and was telling me about school and how she was getting bullied or she didn't really have friends. Like, oh, that touches me so much because I I went through the same thing growing up. So not being able to help that or help little girls with that or help just children in general, not being able to just give them some confidence, give them some excitement say hey there are you will meet someone like 
it's going to get better. Right. And don't, don't change who you are for anyone. Exactly. That was, so my daughter at the time had been dealing with some girls at school who made fun of her for bringing wild game for lunch. And it was right in the middle of that, that, that my daughter met Kylie and you spoke truth to her. You spoke encouragement to her. You gave her confidence that she's not the only one who likes hunting. And believe it or not, this year she has found two girls who hunt at the school and they have buddied up together and have encouraged each other and they send messages to each other and emails. And it has been such a turnaround from last year. But honestly, if she had withdrawn, if she had held back, I don't think that she would have met those girls. And so I fully believe that you're the time that you took to stand with her and have that conversation made a huge difference. And I am appreciative of it, but I know that she also is. That's, that's amazing. I'm so happy for her that it, that touches me so much. I grew up going, we moved a lot um, with my dad's job. And so I never really had close knit friends that, that understood why I hunted and, Whenever I would go to a different school, it was kind of like, oh, the new girl, she hunts. She's weird. <laughs> so yeah. the fact that the fact that she found girls that she can rely on and that understand why she hunts mm-hmm. and don't make fun of her for it, that's amazing. I'm so, I'm so happy for her. Well, it makes a difference. And you can you can take that completely across the board, whether you are a kid in school or you're a young adult or you are somebody who has been hunting forever, but you don't have really a community physically around you. It makes the hunting community that you have within calling distance, within internet distance, social media, whatever it is, it makes that community that much stronger. And, uh, and I think, I don't know, I didn't get on social media for hunting until last year. And The reason that I did, honestly, was because I did not have that community around me and I wanted to find other women who were like me that I could have conversations with and I could throw things around and I could um, find a little bit of encouragement to push forward into places where I wasn't that comfortable like turkey hunting. And it has made a huge difference. I think it it gets a negative side of it social media does but I think it really does and we've talked about it a lot on here it closes that circle a little bit tighter with our community and and truly shows me how important having good like-minded strong-willed purposeful living people around you oh yeah for sure mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> You the hunting community is is a is a great community. I mean, I it's, agree. It's like you said, it's a family, pretty much. Yeah, you have had you've had a tough couple of months here um, within that community. I know that you lost someone very dear to you recently uh, that you met through hunting, and um, and I know that. Megan was someone very close to your heart 
And, um, and I just, I'm very sorry for your loss. I know that we've talked a few times since then, but it, I just wanted to say that again, I'm very, very sorry. Thank you. Um, yeah, she was my best friend. Mm -hmm. Um, I looked forward to hunting with her and you just spending time with her. She was such an amazing person and anyone that got to meet her knew that she had such a big heart for the Lord and she just loved people unconditionally. Mm-hmm. And I just, I want, I hope, I wish everyone could love like Megan did because she, gosh, she was such an amazing person. Oh, I, I have been there. I know what that feels like. And, um, her life is definitely not a waste because of the love that she has given and because of her heart and the people that the lives that she has touched and that God has touched through her. And so it's um, such a blessing to be able to say that she was in your life. Um, But it also there again shows that our hunting community can be more than just, um, at a long distance reach, it, it really tightens in and, and becomes family. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Meg, not only was Megan, my best friend, she was like a sister to me. I mean, we talked on the phone all the time. We were constantly texting each other, sending each other jokes or I don't I relied on her. Mm-hmm. I mean, and that's, that's how close we can get in the hunting community. I mean, I have so many people that I, I consider family. Mm-hmm. And I think that if you can get into the hunting community community and kind of just like, as long as you're true to who you are, you don't change yourself. You don't try to be someone you're not. Then it it can be an extremely amazing experience. That is 100% truth. I'm glad you said that. I had a conversation with Mark from Grizzly Ears and, oh, he had nothing but great things to say about you. And it has been one of those things that when you find people that are like-minded, whether it is hunting or spiritually or uh, just that connection, you encourage each other to stay true to yourself and to be real in your life. And Mark said that over and over I know that Jana has said that you love Jana. That was, I think yes, I, I, I love asked you at NWTF, what are, who are some of the women that you have, um, that you hold kind of at a place of, um, you know, people that, who would inspire you and encourage you. And Jana was one of those people that you said, and she, again, just like you and just like Marcus said, they're real And I believe if you stay real to yourself, if you stay true to what you stand for, um, I believe that that means more than how many deer you take, how many turkey you take, all of that combined. I think that the honesty and and being forthright is so much more important. Yes, I 100% agree. Yeah. So that's being a part of those groups of people. I don't think I need everybody in the hunting community to agree with me. I don't need anybody and everybody in the world to agree with me. I just need them to see that my message and my life is consistent and uh, speaks truth. So um, yeah, it's that's 
That's between me and God. That's between me and my friends. And if my group is small, I'm okay with that because they are real and I know that I can count on them and that they can count on me. Yeah, that's that's kind of where I'm at. I My friends, I got extremely lucky with the town that we live in now um, or in Tennessee. My friends are so understanding and they're so loving and not, they don't judge me at all for hunting. Mm -hmm. They actually, they're like, Hey, can we go hunt with you sometimes? Like, I want to learn. Like, that sounds so fun. Yeah. And some of my friends already hunt. Like my best friend, he hunts all the time. He's from Illinois and that's like, we're pretty much the same person except he's a boy. I mean, (laughs) I got so lucky with such a great group of friends and growing up, like I wanted, I wanted everyone to like me. I wanted a big group of friends. And now I've kind of just, I have my really close friends and then I'm like acquaintances with a lot of people, but it's better just to have those people that you know, you can rely on 100% no matter what, rather than having a bunch of people that are in and out, wishy-washy. So yeah. Yeah. And the sooner you figure that out, the sooner you figure it out, I think is the better. (laughs) Yes, for sure. Yeah. We, we have definitely talked to our kids about that, about how, um, having approval of so many people is not the important thing. And I think that it keeps you having a smaller knit group of people that keep you accountable, who keep you um, on the path that you have set before you, uh, the goals that you have. So to have a small group of people who are firmly invested in your life just as much as you are invested in theirs, it keeps you on that path. And without that, if you have so many friends then you don't have people speaking into your life on a regular basis, holding you to the spot where you have said, hey, hold me to this. I need people to help me stay on track, to not lose mind of where my goals are. And I don't that I don't think I learned that until I was in my 30s. So I'm really glad that you're holding true to that now. It makes a huge difference in life. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Well, okay. You've got deer season coming up. Um, are you going to be hunting deer in Texas or will you guys get over here to visit in Tennessee? Um, we'll probably hunting in Texas, Tennessee, and Kentucky because we have a lease up there in Kentucky. Awesome. Um, yeah, I'm most likely going to be going with my cousin sometime soon. They have axes on their place. Nice. So I'll be having some axes soon, which I'm so excited about. I love axes. It's, it tastes so good. That's what um, I keep being told. <laughs> yes. It's so good. It's, I, I love all wild game, but I think axes and elk are probably my two favorite. Wow. That's, those are the two I have not tasted. So I'm, that's kind of on my checklist of those two, especially would be great to have a hunt for and to bring home and feed my family. Um, And, uh, you know, I think if you've kept up with my page at all, you know that I love to cook, but it's more than, 
loving to cook it. I love to eat. <laughs> so <laughs> if I can enjoy, I will cook something so that I can enjoy it. It's very selfish, I would say, but I love to eat while game so much so that uh, we recently had run out of ground and we picked up some beef to make, I think, hamburgers or something with, and it did not taste good to me. And it threw me for a loop. Now, it's also probably the difference between buying it from the store and getting it from a farm that is organically grown and all of that. That's uh, They have all the fillers and additives to it that make it taste totally different, but still... I would rather have venison and goose and whatever else is in my freezer than what's in the store. Yes, ma'am. I agree with that. And not only does like we never, I don't know, whenever you have something that you harvested mm-hmm. that you cleaned, you know where it's been. You know that nobody has put anything in it. You know that it's 100% natural. I feel like just having that, like I'm providing for my family, they're going to eat a healthy dinner tonight. Like that in itself is just, it's important. It is. That's, that's, that's why we hunt Mm -hmm. is we, I, I say it a lot, but I want to provide for my family. That's important to me. That's something that I've grown up with. Hey, we hunt, but we eat every single thing that we hunt. Exactly. We do not waste meat. Yes. And I feel like people need to look at it like that instead of, oh, they're just hunting. No, we're not just hunting. We're, we're giving our family healthy, good, natural food. Yes. I, uh, I met a gentleman this week when we were hunting. We went, it was fall break. And so we went out to this very primitive area and we were hunting and one of the gentlemen that also hunts there, um, he was telling us he, it's just him. He's not married. He doesn't have a family. He still hunts and he still harvests more than he can eat because he donates to hunters for the hungry. And Tennessee is I think one of the top states for people donating to Hunters for the Hungry. And it is such, if you're not going to provide for your family, like if you have already provided for your family, if you have the opportunity to provide for other people, that takes it even a step further in that provision, that feeling of care for other people and passing it on, whether they hunt or not, you're still providing a meal for somebody who doesn't have one. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. yeah growing when you asked me how I got into the hunting industry earlier, my dad and my uncle started an outfitting company called McCray Outdoors. Mm-hmm. And I'm not, I can't remember what it's called, but, um, pretty much like you have to harvest so many does and so many bucks off of your land per year to keep the numbers down. Right. And so we would, we would go out and we would hunt and the meat that we like didn't have room for in our freezers, which it was a lot. Mm-hmm. We would go and we would donate and we would give to families or friends that we knew that, okay, they need some meat or just anyone right. really here in the community of San Angelo. They, we, we gave them a lot. A lot right. Of, have to kill several hundred does but all that none of that meat was wasted all of it would go to families or to like the soup kitchen or something like that like 
it would none of it would be wasted. And I think that's really important. That's a that's part of the side of conservation that you don't hear about often, that you don't see that side of it, the donating part. You hear all of these the non-hunters, or I wouldn't say the non-hunters, the anti-hunters, because there's two different groups there, but the anti-hunters will look at this. Let's take your your family's outfitting company as an example. Well, look, they just harvested, they just killed because they use that word. They will just they just killed all of these animals. And it's more than their family needs. Like that's not why would they do that? That's that's wasteful that but they don't fill in the backstory. They don't tell where all of that went. They don't um Yes, you've got to manage your land in order to create a habitat that is healthy for the herd. If you get overrun, then you get sickness and then you lose all of them. So you have to manage it correctly, but it's not out of waste. It's out of giving. It's out of taking care of other people, like you said. And I think that they just don't see, they don't say that side of it. They don't uh, fill in that spot because we're not going to sit here and say, oh, well, I donated three deer this year. I donated 100 deer this year. We're not going to boast about that. We're not going to say that's that's something that is very, very close to someone's heart is being able to do that. And it's not a boastful action. And so you're not going to have hunters, oh, look at what I did this year. I took this many and I donated all of that. That's You don't see hunters doing that. And sadly, it doesn't get talked about all that often, but it is an important aspect of our of our heritage and of something that we want to pass along to our, our families and keep it going is that part of giving. We receive, it is a blessing. We are thankful for that blessing, but we also give and it's a way that hunters can, can be involved in our communities is by giving. Yeah. Yeah. And not only are you giving, them food and you're giving them something that's going to help their bodies and help them grow and help them stay strong. But it's giving them like here, someone is giving you this meat. So it's kind of, I don't know, whenever Mm -hmm. I think of stuff like that, especially if I get to go talk to the people, if I get to like personally give it to them, like I I get to share a little bit of God with them. Yeah. And even just, just giving it to them and just saying, Hey, have a blessed day. Or like writing something or something like that. Like, any way that you can just kind of put put a little bit of God in there and just mm-hmm. kind of plant the seed. And that's, I think, is, is something that's really important also because my faith is extremely important to me. So if you can provide meat for other families and, and give them, I guess, a little hope mm-hmm. or give them a little, I don't know how to describe it, but it's also giving them a little bit of Jesus. Right. Right. It's more than just the meal. And it yeah. is, uh, it's very important. And I think, you know, especially during this COVID season, uh, we have been able to share with families that weren't able to fill their homes with meat because of the lack, the shortage there was in stores. So, 
I don't know. It'll be interesting to see this year if more dough are taken than than just going for antler. Um, yes. Yeah. Just because of that, to see the difference in it. I know Tennessee had, I've, I I believe it was over 2,000 more turkey taken in spring season than ever before. Um because people were off, because people were looking, um, A, to do something that they could do because they couldn't, some couldn't work, some couldn't um, be a part of other situations. So hunting was a little on the forefront of what normally would be. But I know that they've changed next year to where you can't take four birds in spring season. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how this virus and the election and all of that on how it changes the mindset of the hunt this year. It'll be very interesting. Yeah. And I think we're also, I think we're also going to get a lot of new hunters. Yes. Because with the pandemic, like food shortage and Mm -hmm. not being able to go out. I mean, we had the comfort of just pulling it out of our freezer, but a lot of people I imagine they were probably like, how are we going to get meat? Or So when we provided with them with meat, then I, I don't know. I'm really hoping that it made a lot of people realize like, hey, hunting is not a bad thing at all. Like right. it is so important. It's so important. And I wish more people would realize that like, just go out and shoot a doe because that can, that can give you meat for a long time. Right. Oh yeah. And And that provision, the lack of being able to provide for your family is a horrible feeling. So yeah, I think what that also keeps me thinking about and me open to is when somebody says, Hey, can you help me out? Can you point me in the right direction? That we as hunters aren't stingy about that, that we open our hearts and our arms to, hunters coming in or hopefully new hunters coming in that you take the time to teach somebody else that you take those moments because it's not easy to mentor somebody. It it takes extra time. It takes time away from where you can hunt, but there's more benefit out of it. There's more, not just for the other person and for our community, but for yourself, you become a totally different hunter when you take somebody in and and help teach the way and so yeah I agree with you I hope that we as a hunting community can be open to bringing more people in versus well you didn't hunt before this I I don't know I want to be protective of of what I have or of my honey hole or like I hope that we're not stingy about it I hope that we can actually open up and welcome new people in yeah. Yeah. It'll I agree. It'll be it'll be an interesting year. We'll have to see. We've got two deer now in I mean we've been open since the end of September and we've got two deer in the freezer which is great. Um we're halfway through what we had last year and so it'll be a great year already for us, but I'm hoping our daughter is hoping that this year is her year to get her first year. So you could be praying for her. <laughs> she, uh, I have a rule that uh, they have to witness a harvest and witness the whole process from 
from the shot to the the field dressing to the butchering to the processing, they have to go through the whole uh, process of it before they themselves can harvest. And my son was able to do that last year. My daughter had not yet. And so this week she was able to do that and be a part of watching it from start to finish. And so now um, – my parameter of uh, my rule um, is it has been fulfilled. So hopefully she will be able to harvest a deer this year. And um, you guys will have to talk after that. I'm sure she'll have a lot to talk about. <laughs> yes, for sure. And along your along your rule basis, like that's I pretty much grew up with the same thing. I mean, I've been hunting with my dad since I was three. I went on an elk hunt with him in Colorado. That's where we lived for a little bit when I was three years old. So Mm -hmm. I saw the whole process before I was even allowed to hunt. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's a certain age where you don't need to hunt yet just because I don't know. I was allowed to kill a turkey at five because I shot my shotgun. Right. So much. I was extremely accurate with it. So there was that. And then without fitting business, I mean, I saw, I saw everything. I mean, I knew the whole process and also safety. My dad was, my dad was a firearms instructor for the border patrol. And so I knew every gun safety rule there was before I even got to shoot one, which is, it's really, I mean, that's good. Yes. It's really important to completely understand what you're doing before you do something as far as like hunting, shooting, just anything. Like if you 100% understand it, then you'll have more confidence going in. Yes. To the hunt. Yeah. My, uh, my son said last year he had a chance to take a doe during archery season with a crossbow. And he's, he, he actually said, Mom, I I think that I need to wait because I don't think that I can ethically take a shot. I think I need more practice. And it wasn't because he was afraid um, of harvesting an animal. That wasn't it. It was honestly, he did not believe he could take an ethical shot at that time. And when you hear that out of a kid... It, That's that makes a proud moment. Yes, it does. And it it also makes you realize, okay, they are really thinking about it. And it made me realize not only is he ready, he gets it. He gets that part of I'm not willing to take a shot. I don't have to take that shot if I don't believe that I can. And so there's some self-control there. There is um, some mindfulness of respect to the animal that you are hunting. And that takes it beyond any lesson that I could talk and speak into him. It was something that he processed through. And so, yeah, I think that – I think that going through that, having those rules, being mindful, being educated, hunter safety, like all of these come together and create better hunters. And whether you are five years old and taking an animal at five or you are 40 and you are going out there, it's still the same level of mindfulness. It's still the same level of respect for what you're hunting and for yourself and for others around you. And um, 
And yeah, it's just, it's important to instill those values early in your hunting career, whatever age you are. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. Well, Kylie, I appreciate your time today. I hate that we're not going to see each other at NWTF. We'll have to figure something out. Um, I'm still planning on, we were planning on having a wild game dinner for people that were in town. Um, I might still have that and just have the virtual whatever on the television and we'll just pretend like we're still there. Um, (laughs) But I hope that our paths can cross again soon. If my daughter gets her deer, I'm going to have, um, she's going to message you because she's going to be so excited. Um, yes, I can't wait to hear. Thank you, Kylie, for, for speaking truth to us today and for giving us your story and for being open to talk about even hard things. So thank you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you for having me. I really enjoyed this. I've been looking forward to this. It's just kind of been crazy things going on lately. Oh, I know. I'm glad we could schedule it in. But yeah, I appreciate it. And um, and yeah, I hope everybody on here listening has enjoyed it. Kylie, how can people follow you? Um, I have an Instagram, which is Kylie underscore L underscore McCray. I also have a Facebook, which is just Kylie L. McCray. So you can go follow me on both of those. Yeah. And their family have, uh, we have two shirts of yours, I think, two or three of your shirts. But you guys have a business that would have been at NWTF. Is there any way that people can follow that or or um, do you have a website for that? Um, our website has been trying to get revamped for a little bit now. Yeah. But um you can go follow Country Girls Outdoors on Facebook. Um, you can go look at our website. We still like have everything up, but um, it just really needs to be updated. Okay. But yeah, uh, okay. we we have shirts. Uh, you can go look at Langia, Langia.com. That is, um, I'm an ambassador for them. Matt okay. Hyatt runs the company. It's like Amazon or Etsy, except yeah. it's like anything you want in the outdoors is on there. And so we have our shirts on there and our hats, our koozies, like for sure, go check that out. Okay. Plus they're a great company. I mean, just great people and and amazing. I mean, that's a really smart idea. Yes, it is. And thank you NWTF for joining us together. And um, I guess we will have to thank Market Grizzly Ears too, because he, yes. he has connected us as well. He, out of everybody, you were one of the ones that you and Jana, you need to talk to them. You need to have a conversation. So thank you, Mark. And um, yeah, we appreciate it. Thank you, Kylie. Yes, ma'am.